Greetings, future lovers. This is Killstreak, episode 45. Thanks for joining us in the new year. I, of course, am Dick Gooley, a.k.a. Eric Gosselin, but please call me Dick Gooley. Eric Gosselin was my father's name. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> and joining me, as always, from Austin, Texas, co-ed Santa Claus himself. Is that it? Just Michael Price? Or should I... Uh, are you just co-ed Santa Claus? Co-ed, uh, I, I, both. I mean, you know, we're phasing out Michael Price, so I think using both for okay. now is the right way to go. Okay, to- yeah. So people know that there's a transition happening. Okay, gotcha. yeah, we'll help bridge gotcha. the gap. A rebranding, if you will. That's right. Co-ed <laughs> Santa Claus is here and he's ready to party. Ho ho ho! <laughs> Give that Dean hell, Santa. How huh. you doing, Santa? I'm we good. We haven't talked. Well, we've talked, but yeah. we haven't done a podcast in a couple weeks now. We haven't talked to the people. How was your holidays? Um, my holidays have been all right. Um, narrowly avoided having to do some traveling and socializing, so that was great. <laughs> close, close yeah. call, but crisis averted. Um, <laughs> we stayed pretty hermetically sealed. Um, as good. as we like to do, I feel like we're in the home stretch, so I'm really just doubling down on not doing anything. Um, yeah, it seems real dumb to get sick now. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. with with the uh, end of the tunnel in sight, the yeah. light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, just kind of hunker down for this last little stretch, and hopefully we'll be out of this sooner sooner rather than later. Absolutely, yeah. I'm I'm counting on it. Uh, my sanity is counting on it. Um. But yeah, the holidays were good. I got some fun gifts, um, some nice things. Um, yeah, I already had my new microphone for last episode, but I'll shout it out again. Oh yeah, my co-host gave me a wonderful holiday gift, uh, and it's a it's this great new mic. So hopefully, it sounds better. If it sounds worse, you can blame Dick Gooley. You can blame me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can just go ahead and tweet me at Dick Gooley, and I'll, I'll get those messages. That's right. Um. <laughs> Yeah, we uh it was a it was a quiet holiday. I was sick 2 days before, which was very stressful, but mm-hmm. got a couple of covid tests. Did not have covid. Don't even know how I would have gotten covid because I Yeah. I stay uh we pretty we stay much stay pretty much in our house. Pretty buttoned uh, up so over I don't there. Know how I would have gotten it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But hey, um little bit of housekeeping. Uh a friend of the show, a friend of mine, Austin Webb, uh checked out that movie that I mentioned uh, in the Friday the 13th episode, right. Unmasked Part 25. Yeah, way back It's in a the British day. film that, um, yeah, at the time when we were looking it up, you could only get like on a on DVD for like 25 bucks and we mm. just weren't sure if we should risk that amount of money. It's actually streaming now on Tubi for free, Tubi.tv, which is, you know, we shout out a lot. We love the Tubi. We have to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah on there. Um, yeah. I checked it out last night. It's an interesting movie. Uh-huh. Um it's it's uh I would say it's it's more interesting in conception and idea than it is in execution because it's literally like a slasher movie. It's like a it's a romantic comedy sort of bookended by being a slasher movie. Okay. Um it's like what if Jason Voorhees It's a British movie so it's not actually Jason Voorhees and he's in the cities in like London or something. Yeah. Um, what if Jason Voorhees fell in love with one of his supposed victims, and then it kind of it's kind of just like the reality of like what that is, it, it, like what that would be like. Um, that sounds unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean it's like 
it just kind of turns into like a very talky like romantic movie uh, weird <laughs> he's just like kind of coming to terms with himself and okay. like his, like his lot in life and his background um and it's not funny i would say like it's really not a funny movie okay but it's interesting i don't know i'd say if, it's worth checking out just for a, like this oddball thing that came out pretty early in like the slasher cycle mm-hmm. it's, so it's like it's kind of funny seeing like something from like 1988 or something that's like satirizing this like juggernaut of a series sure and like just a a genre in general like churning out sequel after sequel before it even got to the apex of like what those things Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like yeah it's like we're still talking like friday the 13th part five and and they're like joking that it's like part 25 in the series Um, yeah it's interesting I, i don't i can't wholeheartedly recommend it but if you're in the mood for like a little offbeat british movie the gore is great some really great gore okay uh, better than any of the friday 13th movies i'd say <laughs> because probably didn't weren't censored as heavily yeah yeah um yeah All so right. that, that's my uh maybe maybe check it out if it sounds interesting to you recommendation of the week fantastic yeah yeah i didn't i didn't watch any horror during my time off uh because yeah. i was really just taking a little vacation before we get back into things so yeah a lot of uh a lot of holiday movies, though. A lot of action stuff. Uh, you know, the huge. Um, yeah. We tried watching Love Actually. <laughs> I'd never seen it before. You've never seen we it? Shut oh, it wow. off. Uh, no, we shut it off after like a half an hour. <laughs> that movie sucks. <laughs> Fuck anybody who thinks that movie's good. <laughs> Bold statement. I like it. Uh, the statement. Oh, I hated it. No, the statement, not the movie. The movie's fine. Oh, oh gotcha, gotcha. I think the movie's mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. We just realized that we're not, we just don't like romantic comedies. Okay. And this is like, what if we put every romantic comedy together? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real. And a horror movie podcast, me taking down Love Actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Our audience is going to lose their minds. Um. <laughs> Tweet at me, Dick Gooley. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. Let's get into uh, some the business at hand. Yeah. It's the new year, it's 2021. New year, we new us. Special. Yeah. New us. <laughs> Some big changes here at Killstreak. Not mm-hmm. really. I'll get to one later on. But uh, <laughs> we're tackling, we're doing, we're getting a. <laughs> sorry. I'm giggling over He's the name of this so already. Excited. We're doing something special here in January. He's so pumped. A little bit of is. a competition. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So unbuckle your pants and get ready to drack <laughs> off because we are. Putting some Dracula movies head to head against each other. And today we're going to be talking about 1931's uh-huh. Dracula, directed by Todd Browning. Yeah. I really starring thought. Bella Lugosi. I kind of figured for the Dracoff thing that we would go with like sort of more clever euphemisms or like suggestive language. <laughs> just right out of the gate, it's, like, just like, it's like, take your yeah. pants off. <laughs> Put some lotion on your hand and then rub it on your penis for the Draco. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I really, uh, I'd say I didn't you, think about it beforehand. Yeah, you kind of blew your load right out of the gate. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, get your hands ready, uh, <laughs> slick them up, <laughs> do what you need to do. Yeah. Uh, if if you're not in possession of a penis, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't, borrow, borrow one from a no, friend. No, I'm not going down. <laughs> no. 
Yeah. I'm not going down this road. Well, this is a disaster already. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking about a classic movie that would be rated PG or G if it came out today. Um, yeah. This is a 90-year-old horror movie. Wow, yeah. And, hey, I have a confession to make. Okay. I have never seen this movie before. Okay. I mean, I did now, but yeah. prior to this, I'd never seen this. Mm-hmm. I think of the four movies we're going to cover, the yeah. only one I have seen is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. I haven't um, seen the I I've haven't seen even, the other two. Yeah. No, I've never even read Dracula because I think mm-hmm. Draculas are boring. Oh my god. <laughs> there's just there's just something about Dracula wow. that I think you know, I'm coming into this with an open mind. Sure. Um, very open. So like, I think Draculas are boring. <laughs> <laughs> just arms wide like open. Period pieces. Yeah. It's just like about people, you know, feeling dizzy and having to lay down for a bit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which I think is a cornerstone of a lot of yeah. like Victorian era horror. A lot of fainting. It's just like yeah. somebody gets so. S- yeah, a lot of fainting, a lot of being sickly until they just die. <laughs> like, just like, oh, she's so scared she died. Um, yeah. <laughs> it Fair. just kind of doesn't do much for me. Okay. But, like I said, I came into this with an open mind. Um, had you seen this before? Yeah, but it, I, not many times, maybe just once. And it had been a long time. So it definitely was a fairly uh, new, a fresh experience for me, we'll say. I mean, I... It, probably been minimum 15 years since i've seen it uh, okay yeah yeah i don't know that i don't like that was a fun noise i made right um i don't i wouldn't say that i think draculas are boring but i see what you're <laughs> i kind of see what you're talking about uh and i will say that for somebody who loves horror movies as much as i do i've always struggled with like have my feelings about the classic era of horror films, particularly like these universal films, right? So Dracula, Frankenstein, uh, the Wolfman and things like that. But just in general, I mean, I'm, I'm a guy who I have a little bit of shame around it, but I just don't really like movies that are this old. Um, for the most Mm -hmm. part, they kind of make me bored. Um, yeah. And that's just who I am. Um, yeah, I don't know. You feel the same way? I do feel the same way. Um, I, You know, I think horror and comedies are the two genre of films that kind of just age the worst. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're talking about pre-1950. Yeah. There, there are some that stand out, mm-hmm. without a doubt. I think The Silent Nosferatu yeah. is a very good movie and a creepy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once they started becoming talkies... And the 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 cameras kind of got locked off a bit. You got a lot right. of long static shots Jesus, of people talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The performances, the realistic performances we're used to nowadays, just wasn't really mm-hmm. much of a concern at the time. Um, that's when it sort of starts to lose me, and I just kind of my mind starts to wander, and I, I blame I blame music videos and <laughs> video <laughs> games MTV for did ruining this to my, us. Yeah, MTV did this to me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but well, as from like a film student standpoint, right. they are interesting to me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, that you really hit the nail on the head for me, which is like w- watching this movie 
is far more interesting in terms of like placing it in the context of a time period when it was made and like the impact that it's had versus like the quality of the film as a standalone uh, enterprise. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Yeah. So it's like very cool to think about like, I mean, Dracula is such an iconic character that really like has blown well past the boundaries of people who like, I'm a horror enthusiast, right? It's like, it's so universal. (laughs) Pardon. (laughs) Pardon the pun. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about being a kid. Like one of my, one of the first uh, Halloween costumes I ever remember wearing was just like your fucking pharmacy Dracula, where it's like a cape with the red lining inside uh, the neck part. And then it's like, put some black, you know, face some, some paint peak. to make it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's, I mean, that's a thing that so many kids have done and it's, it's such a, it's such a, a common thing and it's just such a cultural thing. I, I think that's cool in and of itself. And so it's cool to see where that comes from, which this is it really, you know, this mm-hmm. is the origin of that, that look and that character and it's all created. And I can just, you know, I can think about my dad as a kid, like, you know, I feel like everybody's dad has like a Bella Lugosi impression, right? And everybody, you know, like lines that he never says in the movie. Like, I don't know. What is the origin? Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead. (laughs) Like of like, I want to suck your blood. Like that kind of thing. It's like, right. Is never uttered in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, this is, this is where that character is born. Um, now, obviously, this movie didn't create the the actual character of Dracula, but like that, the performance that he, that that Bella Lugosi puts on here is the iconic one that, in people's minds, when they I think they visualize Dracula, this is where it starts, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so what was your reaction watching it this time? Did would you say it was a positive one, or are you pretty much where you started off? I would say that. My my feelings about the movie are, um, and I mean, I think I'm going to give away my rating <laughs> right now. I'm not going to explicitly say, but it won't be hard to decode. It was like, uh, pos- like very lightly positive. Like, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that there are definitely things that we'll get into the more explicit details later. But there were things about this that I actually thought were great that I really liked. I think that also I was bored a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think, I mean, I th- I'd love to unpack it, but I think you already started to get into some of the biggest issues of the movie, but I want to hear what you have to say first. Uh, yeah. So I think I'm right there with you. There were things I enjoyed. I, I think the set design is pretty cool. Um, there's, there's a lot of nice atmosphere, especially in that I- initial mm-hmm. sequence of like the carriage going up to the mountain, right. to ca- castle Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, Ren, the performances, they just aren't what you would, what would cut the mustard in modern day. Sure. And I suspect even in 1931, this was probably considered a B movie, right? But I, but I'm, am I wrong? Like, um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's Universal. It's a major studio, and it was a pretty large. I think it was a wide release. So, I think that at this point in time, um, 
I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but I'm no film historian. Um, sure. It's not a prestige picture by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that this was probably a fairly large release for the studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. We, uh, we get into a lot of like censorship that, the, mm-hmm. that these movies had to go through to, to be released. And this one was done before the, the code. I can't mm-hmm. remember the name of the, uh, the Hayes code. Yeah. There's been, the Hayes Code, and then I think after the Hayes Code, they had to make some edits to, to be able to be released, which mm. were restored in the versions that we watched. I can't um, imagine but, what would have had to be taken out of this movie. I, yeah. I, I got a couple examples in okay. at the very end when Dracula is being killed, uh-huh. which is off screen. Yeah. You hear him moaning. Okay, the moaning was taken out. Oh wow! And also Renfield when he falls down the stairs, he screams, mm. and the scream was taken out. Wow! And I think that even like you, you never see a woman scream on camera. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's always off camera. And of course, you never see Dracula biting anybody. It always like fades mm. out right before he bites. Right. And I think that was just like at the even at the time probably was like now we can't show. What that. a bunch of fucking pussies! Pardon my <laughs> language. It's not a it's not a term I like to use much anymore. But I think <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ. This, this, this was a movie that I started watching until he probably got too bored with my five and a half year old son uh-huh. in the room. Yeah, you know, like this is right. the first of the movies we've watched that I was like, no, nah, this is fine. I can play this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, well, okay. So yeah, the Hayes code stuff is interesting. Cause that's, a, that's the other thing. It's just like, it's a, you hear people talk about pre code movies like this one. And, you know, there are a handful that have like stuff that actually would get hung up with, you know, the MPA now, or obviously the code when it came into effect, like you get some nudity here and there, or some like really kind of interesting, uh, like, mm-hmm. But it is the stuff that people get up in arms about in the 30s and 40s is is mind boggling. It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the examples that you laid out are (laughs) it's just silly to me. It's like you can't. Yeah, you can't hear you can't hear a woman scream. Um, It's like, man, you know, get a life. Some of the the censorship codes. Mm -hmm. Before uh, there was a period when it was just like dictated by state, state by state. There's right. Like that that state was in charge of what could be in, mm-hmm. in movies, and there was shit like a woman can't appear on screen with a snake, like in like Utah or Nevada Christ. or some shit. Like like where like more it was like there's some <laughs> crazy stuff. One of my professors, yeah. uh, did you ever have Eric Schlesinger? Wait, no, I might be getting that name wrong. Uh, fuck. Anyway, he he wrote. Um, uh-huh. A book about this, this mm-hmm. whole thing, which is really interesting. It, this, I implore anybody who's even interested in like film history, just like look up some of the individual censorship codes that each state had. They're pretty funny. Okay. Yeah. Um, fuck. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I do think this stuff is very interesting. And it's funny how this still like things get better progressively. But this reminds me, I saw a tweet a couple times in the last few days. That was literally like some, I mean, obviously like conservative, like losing his mind over, um, you know, there were like some tampon taxes were repealed in a couple states recently. I don't know if you saw any of this. Uh-huh. Um, no. Yeah, which is great. Like, you know, there were these insane, I think it might have been in England, actually, that like a VAT tax was removed from uh, like, you know, uh, 
what's the overarching term for menstrual products? Sanitary. Yes, whatever, whatever euphemism fucking men decided on. But you know, shit women oh, you know, use for their period. Ireland. Yeah. Oh, was it Ireland? Yeah. Anyways, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's like there was like an advertisement that was like, "Yay, we we like got the VAT tax repealed. This is like let's celebrate." And it was a picture of a tampon. And this guy is like, I, I think this is great. It's good. The tax is gone. I don't know why we have to use such a graphic image. And then he like gets into a fight <laughs> in the comments with a bunch of just like bemused women who are like, what is graphic about this picture of a like a, an unused tampon? It's literally. Jesus and he's Christ. like, the curvature is very suggestive and all this stuff. And it's just like, oh, my God. God, men are fucking such monsters and like the things that they have, the gymnastics that they have to go through. I just like to think of Mike Pence and like his shit with <laughs> with like not being able to be in a room with a with a woman with a it's, woman. It's like, yeah, yeah, dude, you are fucking what a what a waste of human life. Um, but anyways, yeah, <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, but uh, let's talk. Let's talk. I mean, this is fun because even though this movie is, I mean, it's very short. It doesn't not uh, not all that much happens in it. Um, yeah, but it's 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 big. It's outsized for its influence, right? Like we talked about, and and I will say that one of the experiences that was interesting going through this now is like in the time since I last saw this, I've probably seen Coppola's. Bram Stoker's Dracula four or five times. Um, mm-hmm. And we will get to that movie in the last week of this month. Uh, so no spoilers right now. But I will say that that plot of that film, you know, really like influenced my watching this movie now, like kind of knowing the beats of that movie. Um, mm. And I think... Um, you know, I did a little bit of reading up. I think I read the the novel at some point in high school. Uh, and it, I thought it was kind of, it was better than most of what I was being forced to read, but it was still fucking boring because it was a book from 1897. Um, yeah, I've so. started to read it before. And I, mm-hmm. uh, it was in like high school I started to read it. And I think now I could probably get through it and yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just remember not being mm-hmm. com- completely very compelled by it. One of the most interesting things about the book is that it's written uh, as an epistolary, which is essentially a word that just to describe it's 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 entirely narrated through letters and diary entries mm-hmm. and newspaper clippings and that sort of stuff, uh, which I think is a pretty cool approach and was somewhat popular at that point in time. Um but yeah, I don't know. Bram Stoker's Dracula. The one of the most interesting things for me going through the info for this movie was realizing that, like, the book only came out thirty years before they started making this. You know, I think of them as I think of these things of being like from vastly different eras. Yeah, but it's like you know, it's not an immediate adaptation, but it's like within you know uh, someone's lifetime, certainly. And uh, I thought that was cool. You just think about that compression of timelines and stuff like Bram Stoker was no longer alive when this came out, but he died, you know, not that long after the book mm-hmm. was released, maybe 10 years or something. So, um, yeah, it, it does. See, it, I don't know. You 
you mentioned the novel and I'm like, oh, that was written in like 1700s or something. <laughs> right. Like, like, no, I wasn't that far yeah. before this. Yeah. I think, I think the main takeaway was like, oh, actually the novel came out later than I thought it did. You know, I think that's, that's, yeah. that's really what I learned. But, um, let's talk real fast about just some of the important characters, uh, real life characters around the making of this movie. So uh, it's directed by Todd Browning, who is a guy who's interesting because I feel like for most people, if you've ever heard of Todd Browning, it's because of this movie. But for me, and maybe for you, I was like, oh, Todd Browning, the guy who directed Freaks. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's my immediate re- yeah. thought of Todd Browning. Yeah, which is like a funny kind of backwards thing because Freaks is noteworthy for being kind of a cult classic, but it is not. It is a movie that flopped massively at the time that it was released. Mm. Um, And that's one that I'd recommend to people because that movie does manage to stay interesting, despite only being a couple years after this one came out. Um, Mm -hmm. But Browning was a silent film guy, as most people were. Like, so this is very early in the the sound era of film, uh, especially in the U.S. And so Todd Browning was a guy who made many, many, many silent films, and this is one of his first few um, talkies. And it's also one of the last. He did not. He did not nail the transition into. Uh, talkies, and I think that you can kind of tell why. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's some of the stuff that you were talking about uh, early on, things that didn't really work for you. Do you want to touch on that a little bit more? Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, um, previous to the in, the in introduction to, of sound in movies in like 1927, um, Silent films actually were doing some really interesting things camera wise. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cool camera movements um, and doing some pretty innovative things. But then once the cameras, uh, once sound was incorporated, they had to start hiding the microphones in like central locations so that everybody could speak and be heard. Mm-hmm. They didn't have like boom microphones like they do now. Yeah, or God and forbid, also, like lav mics where you could actually stick it in someone's clothes or something. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then the cameras themselves were pretty uh, loud, so they had to be kind of far away from everybody in like in an enclosure, so it didn't make a lot of noise that would be picked up. And because of that, a lot of these early talkies um, were just like static shots of people in a room talking as if it were like a play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sort of theatricality of it um is you know i said the word boring that's a really yeah. really dismissive term but i just think by modern standards it just doesn't it's not that interesting to watch and of course there are there are they got better at it as it went along mm-hmm. i'd say like in in the next like 5 to 10 years you know citizen kane looks like a modern movie by right. today's standards but that's 10 um, years later i mean that's there are a, others yeah it's an almost a hopeful generation of filmmaking to get there um, right right yeah, and I think I mean, and and I think part of part of what you got to consider with what what you're saying is that idea of like it's essentially it is a new generation of filmmaking, so it's almost like a restart. Like it's like you have the whole uh, silent film era to develop the art form, and it really becomes something mm-hmm. where there's experimentation and 
and evolution. And then to a certain degree, this is like a reset. Um, And so what Mm -hmm. we're watching here is a movie from like the very beginnings of that reset. Um, And And I think the performances, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, 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 continue. Uh, The performances also reflect like just figuring out what it is that works for Mm -hmm. a talkie movie. And I think there are varying degrees of success in this movie itself. I think the guy who plays Van Helsing is pretty good. Is pretty mm-hmm. good. Whereas the guy who plays Renfield um, is maybe less so. It's funny. You <laughs> well, know, he's just like a lot bigger. I really liked Renfield in the beginning of the film before he goes yes, crazy. Too, yeah. I actually had a note that I was like, this guy's pretty good. And then he is hard to take for the rest of the movie once he, you know, yeah. becomes a loony. Um, but I, the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, it's no accident that like 90% of the best shots in this movie are non dialogue stuff. It's like, it's, and you yeah. just get this impression that it's the filmmakers opportunity to do what they're already used to doing and comfortable doing. Uh, and then, like you said, I mean, specifically like the last third of the movie is a fucking slog. Because it's just it like, really is. it's like, it's yeah. Like you said, it's like one, it's like the parlor of a nondescript fucking mansion or whatever. And it's just four people standing around talking to each other for like yeah. five minutes at a time. Uh, yeah. And it's just and like, Oh try, God, they try to juice it up by having um, people saying cool things that mm-hmm. happened right but we that we didn't see like there's like renfield is like there was a red mist on the lawn i looked out <laughs> and dracula was there with red yeah. eyes and he had an army of rats right with red eyes thousands <laughs> of them it's like no we don't see any of that we just hear people so like you can see they're like trying like well we got to make this interesting and cool yeah it's like well, that would have been cool to see but we didn't see it <laughs> no no we didn't um yeah, so I think that we're seeing a lot of those growing pains getting worked out here, and that is that is one of the reasons for what I feel like are the big shortcomings of this movie. Um, some yeah. other interesting stuff about this, uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, I Todd Browning was, um, I don't know if we just think he was going through some stuff, uh, or... Um, if he if there were specific things that went awry, but there is a lot of talk about him being absent from the set for long for long periods of time. Um, really? Yeah. Apparently it was a very disorganized production. Um, and there it, it's funny because we've talked about this at length, but people will often draw comparisons to the rumors as yet still unfounded about poltergeist. And the working relationship between Steven Spielberg and Toby Hooper. But on this one, it is, I think, generally agreed that the cinematographer, Carl Frund, directed half of this movie. Um, Really? Yeah. Basically, it was just a thing where, like, I think sometimes um, Browning was off doing other things because the, the production was such a mess that he was trying to sort other shit out. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes he just wasn't there. Um, you know, so yeah, for whatever reason, this is, this is one for the historians, but, uh, 
But it is it is interesting because it was kind of a disjointed affair, and it's one that people would say that Carl Freund had like a kind of outsized role as cinematographer and part time director. Um, uh, yeah. Do you know anything about Spanish Dracula? Yes. Is that in your notes anyway? Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? We can talk about it now. It's fucking. It's such a. It's honestly one of the coolest things about it really all this is. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Lay it on them. Um. So simultaneous to shooting this movie like the english speaking dracula production Mm -hmm. would use the sets and then they would wrap and then a new crew came in Mm -hmm. and shot dracula in spanish with with a new director and new cast and actually like a little more scandalous too like the women were wearing less and right right it was a little looser because it was going to be in europe and not Mm -hmm. or you know in latin american countries um, and so they were simultane- simultaneously shooting Spanish Dracula on the same sets. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's the same script or not, but that's that was so I cool. believe it's almost the same script. Yeah. I mean, it's very much like it's a, it's something that the studio decided to do because, again, this is the beginning of the sound era. So the they didn't have like real dubbing solutions for mm-hmm. for a, a, a foreign language cut of a movie. Right. It was easy to do that with a, with a silent film because you literally just switch out the title cards uh, and that was it. Right. <laughs> right? But for right. this, they were like uh, the idea of recording a new sound and dubbing that wasn't part of the process yet. So they were like, we're just going to make a, a Spanish language one at the same time. Um, I would love to watch that. I'm yeah, I'll try to track that down. It's out there. I know that they it was missing for a long time and then they they found a good copy of it in the 70s and released it. Um, so it's, it, it definitely is out there and I would be interested to hear how it is. I don't know that I'm ready to sit down and watch it yet. Um, yeah. Especially <laughs> since I'm about to watch three more Dracula movies. <laughs> and I yeah. was even just like, I just saw on, on my Kindle, I have Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh man. Um, the book. And I was like, I should read this while we're doing this. And I was like, no, I don't need a fifth <laughs> Dracula thing to watch. To- yeah pay attention to <laughs> yeah it feels a little bit overwhelming i think um yeah. yeah so the other big uh name you know that everyone is and honestly the person that people associate with this movie more than anyone is is bella lugosi as count dracula mm-hmm. um it's funny another like it's another thing a kind of backwards way a way of backing into knowledge about this stuff like we talked about todd browning and freaks so my most of my intimate knowledge of Bela Lugosi, like coming into this movie, comes from as a teenager having watched Ed Wood multiple times. Yes, um, yeah. So a lot of I think a lot of people like us are pretty familiar with like the kind of dark latter part of his career and his struggles with addiction uh, and typecasting and all this stuff. But you know, it, it is very interesting because at the time this was made. It, he one of the things that I found so curious and I mean, very prescient on his part that like immediately after he he made this movie, he was like, I'm going to get typecast as Dracula and I don't want that. And mm. spent a lot of a lot of years trying to fight against that and just failing because the only jobs that he was getting offered was to play Dracula himself or to play vampires and do this sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, Lugosi uh is uh, seems like a fairly interesting guy um he's hungarian american he was born in hungary grew up there um 
and he had to leave. This I thought was cool. Um, so there was a failed communist revolution in Hungary in 1919. Uh, and he, because of his socialist and leftist activism, had to flee the country. Um, so uh, wow. Lugosi would be very popular on Twitter in 2020. He is a, he was a lefty. <laughs> um, That's cool. Yeah, and so he the way he he ended up in this was he was actually portraying Dracula in a Broadway adaptation of the book. Um and also coming over from that production were uh was the same guy was the guy who played uh Van Helsing. Um his name is Edward Van okay. Sloan. So both of them and I think also Seward I think all three of those guys were in the Broadway production and ended up in the movie as well. Um, but and yeah, I'll do a pretty good. Yeah. I'll do a good job in the movie. Yeah, I, I will say that this movie has lots of shortcomings. I do not think. I think that Bella Lugosi is a standout in this. I really, I totally get it. Like especially at a time like this, like he just makes such an impression from the very beginning. And like there are mm-hmm. elements of it that feel kind of that feel cheesy now, 90 years later, understandable. But it's like he's just I mean, yeah, he is operating to me at like a higher level than everyone else in this movie where it's just like, yeah. it's not like high drama. It's not like what an amazing emotive performance, but it's just like he's putting on a show <laughs> that like keeps you captivated, I think. And right. And for a movie that was otherwise like three quarters fucking snooze fest, that was that was good news for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah, Bella Lugosi goes on to spend basically the rest of his professional career in horror movies and genre pictures, uh, much to his dismay. Um. Yeah, but you know, it's that's one of those things that I think is funny too. It's like the kind of hindsight that comes as you get older. It's like I I never had any success as an actor, but I tried, I tried to do it a little bit. And I remember putting the cart so far before the horse and just being like <laughs> being like 22 in LA, just like barely getting any auditions, but still thinking to myself, it's like I gotta make sure that I don't get typecast as like a football player. Um, uh-huh. and it's like it's no like one has only. yeah no one has booked you to play a football player you fucking moron. Um, <laughs> you know? I remember having a similar thing when I when I did improv. Uh-huh. Um, I I did improv for a few years, pretty regularly, and I was like, I'm always gonna wear my glasses on stage, mm-hmm. not contacts, because I want that to be an identifiable part of of me when people think my name they think oh the guy with glasses yeah uh and it's like that is such a fucking like nobody was thinking about that. no one was, I was thinking about thinking us about at all that. yeah yeah exactly yeah but anyways it, it uh, to bring it back to the movie i think it's funny because i think about that now and i'm like if i was bella lugosi i'd be like oh you mean people want to give me jobs regularly let's fucking rock right. and roll let's do it yeah <laughs> you mean i can earn a living doing this great <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh you know uh, everybody everybody deals differently with that sort of stuff uh bella didn't deal with it so well uh unfortunately but um 
yeah, I mean, he's great in this, and uh, I, I'm thankful that we we got this performance, if nothing else. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, um, that's the like, those are the big things. This is 1931. It's Universal. It's a fairly well-funded production, and uh, it was a huge, huge success at the time, and then over, you know, over the the years as well. I mean, it obviously cut such a huge cultural figure. Um, yeah, this is one of the yes. most famous horror movies of all time. Well, what else is there to say? Well, we have more to say. And oh, we'll yeah. do so after we take a little break, stretch our legs, maybe uh, reconnect our, our, our call here, and uh, we'll see you on the other side, folks. All right, folks, I have a little bit of an announcement to make at the top of this. It's something that I've been struggling with for quite a while, uh, and I just finally made the decision. I am no longer going to be keeping track of the body count throughout the show. Um, A, I forgot (laughs) to do it when I was taking notes for this movie. Mm-hmm. B, I do think it does. I'll usually Mike will start talking after a kill as he should. You know, it's a horror movie podcast. The kills are a big part of it. And then yeah. I'll always like kind of interrupt him with like body count one. So it's like, yeah. I don't know. I just felt like it was uh, putting speed bumps into the show. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm not happy about it. I, I feel like it might be a. <laughs> a failure on my part to not have sold it yeah. correctly the first 44 shows but mm-hmm. we're moving on guys this is a new error a new error wow that's a freudian yeah. slip a new era <laughs> of kill streak big news everybody very big news um, very big news you know what but it's all right it is a new year and we are embracing quitters like eric so we're embracing what Quitters, you know, people, people who just don't have what it takes. Oh, quitters. Okay. Uh, cause we had, you just, <laughs> I thought you called me something else. that started with Q U. Um, that was, that, <laughs> that I'm not going to say because you hit like my internet hiccup right when you said it. And it's, it really sounded like, <laughs> I was like, Whoa, we're taking this podcast back to the nineties <laughs> shock radio. <laughs> oh, you lost, you lost some T's in there. Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. I lost some T's in there. <laughs> okay. Well, that's not okay. what I said. Not what I said. Okay, no, I know, I know. Uh, nor would you ever say that's, uh, anyway, Dracula. We start on some shots of the mountains. I thought the mountains looked really cool. They're clearly like paintings, but like it's effective. yeah, it's glass. It's uh yeah, so it's not even um it what 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 is that effect? Yeah, it's like they they paint it on glass and then put it over the they shoot through the glass. So it's like oh cool. Uh yeah, it's it's like a matte painting, but uh you know placed in over closer. Yeah. Like oh interesting. Yeah. That that's a cool technique. I I, I wasn't aware of that. Uh, Horse drawn carriage, um, people inside getting tossed around. A real nerd woman who I I I had X ray going during this because I watched it on Amazon. Oh yeah, and this uh-huh. is Carla Lumley, the of the uh, oh the producer sure. Carl Lumley. I, I assume yeah is related in some way. And the movie chain, yeah. Oh. Something else I wanted to say at the outset here. So I'm assuming 
um, there that you watched the version of the film with no score. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so I, after a lot of uh, effort, managed to track down uh, a version of the film that used uh, in 1998, I think. Uh, Philip Glass, the composer, was commissioned to create a score for the movie oh, wow. uh, that he that he composed and then performed with the Kronos Quartet. Um, cool. And yeah. And so the thing is, because of the cost of of making an original music score at this point in time, there was no score when the movie came out. So there's music during the opening credits. And then in the middle of the film or sort of in the first third, they are at um, uh, an opera. There's a ballet. I think I forget which one it is. Yeah, it's but... like a, They don't really show it on. Yeah, we don't see it because that would have uh, been too, too indulgent. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so you see you get some music from that. And that's I think that's it. Right. Yeah. Um, as far as music. So my version of the of the film, as I watched it, actually had a score throughout. And I do think that that probably added that... quite a bit. I think that would have yeah. because man, it feels dry when when it's yeah. just like you just hear the hiss of the room tone, like yeah, in between lines, like, <laughs> <"Oof>, buddy. <laughs> right, right, and it was a great score. I mean, predictably, it was very, it was creepy and it was cool. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. So, uh, if anybody else wants to do that, it was just a Roku channel that was like classic horror films. One of these just like cheap. It's funny because you got to pay to rent this on Amazon or Google, but you can just watch Dude. it free on like a bunch of random Roku channels. I wish I would have known that because, yeah, I, sp- uh-huh. I spent four dollars to watch a 90 <laughs> wow. year old movie, which that's is 75 like, minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. That's 75 minutes long. That just seems like highway robbery. Yeah, uh, it is. Anyways, uh, please continue with your synopsis, sir. I say driver a bit slower. No, no, we must reach the inn before sundown. It's Valpurgis night. An e- a night of evil. Nosferatu. Everybody in the, in the town is aware of uh, this Valpurgis night. I didn't look up what that is, but it's an especially spooky night that everybody's on high alert about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of those. I think it's a Christian holiday or something like that gotcha yeah something um, vaguely supernatural the uh the carriage pulls into this hungarian village the locals are all milling about they take down renfield who is in the carriage i should have mentioned renfield mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, they take mm-hmm. his luggage down and he, he, he's like no no don't take my luggage down i'm going to go to borgo pass tonight um now correct me if i'm wrong isn't this in the book jonathan harker you are correct. And not yeah. So they, okay. Yeah, these are adjustments that were actually made for the scr- for the stage adaptation to shorten okay. the whole thing. So they basically combine Harker's role and Renfield's early on in the movie. Yeah. So the solicitor who actually goes to Castle Dracula in the book and then later like in the Coppola movie is Jonathan Harker. Okay. That's yeah. what I thought, but then I was like, "Yeah, oh, maybe I'm wrong." Um, everybody's really confused and concerned about him going to Borgo Pass tonight. Uh, the driver, he is afraid. They ask him to wait till tomorrow. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. There's a carriage that's going to take me, to pick me back up. Whose carriage? Count Dracula's. <gasps> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
Some woman makes a sign of the cross. Castle Dracula. Um, <laughs> I, wait, I, really quick, just like because I'm not. I mean, I I technically come from a Catholic family, but I know like jack shit about religion. Mm-hmm. Um, every time anyone crosses themselves in a movie, I'm like, is that right? Is that oh, is that how you do is it? That how you I'm always do, trying yeah. to remember what the directions are. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you side. do that or not. I think yeah, left to right. I don't know. I'm not sure either. Okay. Uh, you go you go top to bottom first, right? Top to That's bottom right. and then left to right. I think. Okay, cool. I'm not cool. positive about that. I'll have to ask my my wife. Um, on this night, madam, the doors they are barred. Oh no! It's, I, anyway, they're freaked out that he's going up to Castle Dracula. <laughs> we I don't need to drag this out any further. Uh, yeah. And he explains that um, we people of the mountains believe that the castle, in the castle, there's vampires, there's Dracula and his wives. They take the form of wolves and bats and they feed on the blood of the living. Uh, and this was like, oh, yeah, they would have to explain how vampires work now in this <laughs> early movie about vampires. Because right. Because it probably, you know, wasn't as pervasive as it was, it is today. We just know what vampires do. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, one of the things that makes vampires such a pervasive part of pop culture and culture in right. general. Yeah. Uh, he warns Renfield that uh, when the sun sets, they leave their coffins. And he, uh, he gives them a crucifix to wear. And I noticed that when they hand the crucifix over, it's a still shot of the, cru- of the hand holding the crucifix and not like somebody just holding hmm. their hand still. So they probably just like, well, we didn't get it. So we should just freeze that shot. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. The mountains in the castle look cool as the um, carriage pulls up to it. And we see a coffin in a creepy basement. Mist is running along the ground and the coffin opens out and a hand comes out. And it must have mm-hmm. chilled the viewers in the theaters in <laughs> 1931 to their very core, seeing yeah. a ghostly hand come out of a coffin. There's even a, we get, a bug coming out of a little mini coffin. Did you see that? I wrote that there's a bee that comes out of a tiny casket. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? What is that? Why is that? I was so confused by that. It's like a little vampire, a vampire? bee. I think so. I think that's the implication. There's a tiny vampire bee. And there's a possum, um, too? Like a, yeah, a vampire a, possum, there, I assume? There is a possum. Yeah, there in the next couple of scenes, there are going to be some uh, big questions about what species of animals exactly are native to uh, Transylvania. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize <laughs> possums were. They aren't. And you know what else definitely isn't native to Transylvania is fucking armadillos, which show up in like two, two scenes later. <laughs> oh, I may have missed the armadillo. That's oh, yeah. Funny. Yeah. There's like two armadillos in the crypt, and I'm like, man, they were just like, get us some animals. We just need <laughs> animals to put in here. That's funny. Um, then we see Dracula standing there and his, with his three wives all in white. Wolves howl in the distance. The carriage drops Renfield off, and he, uh, Dracula's creepy-ass coach is there to pick him up. Hey, driver. Uh, they get to the castle. Renfield gets out, and the driver's gone. Then the big front door creaks open. He goes inside. Bats are flying around. Bats, we should mention, are featured pretty heavily, and they're always plastic bats on strings, kind of just bobbing around. Just doing that flappy wing thing. It's yeah. like the really classic, like you make fun of it, but it's like it does look as bad as you it would expect it to look in this. Yeah. Uh everything's covered in cobwebs. 
Dracula comes down the big staircase. I am Dracula. Well, it's really good to see you. <laughs> Renfield has a funny voice. I like I like Renfield's voice in this in this portion. Yeah, but then mm-hmm. he gets once he flips. Then I was like, no, nope, no, I'm not a Renfield fan anymore. No, I'm with you. Uh, we hear some wolves howl. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make! Renfield clears his way through a giant cobweb, and there's a shitty fake spider that like kind of <laughs> ascends to the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like the creature effects look like absolute shit, but then the crypt stuff looks awesome. Yeah. It's just like, it's kind of like they nailed it with the sets, and then anything that remotely approaches an effect looks terrible. Um. (laughs) Dracula brings him up to the less creepy portion of the castle, and he takes a seat at a table to eat some food. And Renfield is there because he's there to discuss the lease on Carfax Abbey. Um, did you Indeed. get those Carfax? <laughs> you know, the, the send Carfax over the Carfax. Commercial? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I hope I brought enough labels for your luggage. I'm only bringing three boxes. Uh, Dracula's chartered a ship for them back to England where Carfax Abbey is. And then, uh, we will be leaving tomorrow evening. <laughs> Lugosi really like relishes his lines he says them very slowly yeah. throughout yeah mm-hmm. and renfield pricks his finger on a paper clip oh fuck dracula zooms right like they literally zoom right in on dracula with his eyes mm-hmm. wide looking at that blood um he stalks his way over to renfield and the crucifix falls out of his jacket and you know dracula averts his eyes he gives renfield some wine um and the count is just positively I fucking Renfield. He wants that sweet, <laughs> sweet blood. <laughs> yeah. And we get some, uh, you know, we saw this earlier in the crypt and we're seeing it now too. We have some great, like the way they, this classic way that they light, uh, Bella Lugosi's eyes to sort of yeah. do his like stare, um, which is just like two tiny spotlights basically that they, that they shined on his eyes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it it's it, cool. it very much yeah it's 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 it, I mean I totally understand how it became like a like a hallmark of this mm-hmm. look. Um, he leaves Renfield alone. Then Renfield starts to feel weird, and Dracula's three wives come out of the mist. Renfield opens a door, and a bat flies around at him, and he collapses on the ground. And then the three wives and Dracula slowly, very slowly, walk up to him. And Dracula sends the wives away, and he bends over Renfield, and we fade mm. to black, assuming that he has bitten Renfield. Then we're aboard yeah, the assuming. best we, England. Yeah, we miss a lot of stuff. This is this is a theme in this movie that you mentioned a little bit, where it's just like we just skip over a lot of things that you assume would be kind of interesting action in a movie like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just assume they can't, they couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't show mm. it, so they just don't. Uh, right. Yeah, we're on the Vesta bound for England. Uh, this, the, a massive storm is hitting this boat. Yeah. And this was actually, I don't know if this is in your notes, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I was, like I said, I was watching this on Amazon, and it said uh, this was footage that was borrowed from a movie called The Storm Breaker from 1925. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, everything in this that isn't Renfield and Dracula is from another movie. Yeah. Which is really funny. Um, Renfield's in full-on freak mode below deck now. He's like, his hair's not slicked back. It's hanging down. And Master, mm-hmm. the sun is gone. He pops open Drac's coffin. Um, and then basically the, the, the agreement that they have is that Dracula is going to keep Renfield fed with small bugs and animals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they get back to England and he'll be his slave. I'll be loyal to you, master. Um, it's, it's really some storm. And then the, uh, we cut to the boat, like docked now, or like, you know, uh, on shore, the captain's dead tied to the wheel. Uh, They've made it to short to, to London now, and then the the people who are investigating all the the whole crew is dead on on the ship. It's just a right. boat full of corpses. But then they hear Renfield's deranged laughter coming from below, and he's gone crazy. He's just staring ahead, which was a cool shot. The, the shot of him below deck looking up yeah the stairs. at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a pretty cool shot. And then there's an article about uh that's titled "Crew of Corpses Found on Derelict Vessel." And they give us a lot of time to read this article. <laughs> like, we are meant to read the article. And it yeah, even fades yeah. to another portion of the article where we get more information. <laughs> uh-huh. And basically, Renfield was the only one surviving, and he's under observation at Dr. Seward Sanitarium near London. And we're in London. There's a poor girl selling violets for buttonholes on the street. Dracula approaches her, mesmerizes her, and very slowly pulls her into an alley. She screams off camera. Uh, Dracula's on some real pimp cane shit. He's got like a top <laughs> hat and a cane, just positively yeah. strutting down the boulevard. Mm-hmm. Um, he attends a performance that we had mentioned before. It's like a symphony. We don't really see what it is. I think and it's Swan Usher. Lake, maybe. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, then uh, he's ushered into like the uh, the boxes. What are those called? The I couldn't think of the word. The uh, yeah, it's the bo- the boxes. Uh, yeah, box where it's Abraham box. Lincoln was shot. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that kind of area of the theater. Yeah, they're literally where Lincoln was shot. Um, and, uh, no, that's he not hypnotizes right. They're the London. usher. Oh, sorry. No, keep going. Um, to, he hypnotizes. The usher to uh, deliver a message to Doctor Seward, who is there with his uh, his daughter M- Mina, and then Lucy Weston is also there, and John Harker, who is his daughter's boyfriend, fiance. Um, Dracula basically intercepts him, and he's like, "Are you not Doctor Seward from the sanitarium at Whitby?" And he introduces Dracula to everybody. They know that he's he's like, oh, you're the one who took Carfax Abbey. Um, and then Lucy says, uh, that Abbey reminds me of the that old toast about lofty timbers. The wolves around are bare, echoing to our laughter as though the dead were there. Pass a cup to the dead already, around for the next who dies. And everybody's like, oh, Lucy, that's crazy talk. And it is crazy talk. but Yeah, it's an <laughs> absurd thing to say. Yeah. Um, and then Dracula's like, well, there are far worse things awaiting man than death. Dracula has no chill in this. He's like <laughs> fucking intense all the time. He doesn't even like try yeah. to really act normal. 
No, no. There are multiple points at which he just does some vampire shit. And then he's like, well, uh, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, there's a there's a showdown with Van Helsing later where where I won't give away the whole thing. But he basically just like does a th- like there's just a thing that's like, well, he's clearly a vampire. And yeah. to the rest of the the room, he's like, well, I'm going to go. Uh, he'll explain. <laughs> he'll explain this to you. Uh, the it, how I he's like I'm sure as soon as I leave in Helsing's gonna tell you all I'm a vampire because I am so uh, anyways yeah. later so I'm just gonna walk out of the room and you're gonna all gonna watch me walk out of the room <laughs> I love it I love his approach to everything yeah uh and then later Mina and Lucy are like in a bedroom Lucy's doing a pretty good impression of Dracula and it seems like mm-hmm. she's really into Dracula too yeah and she like fantasizes she's been. She's been seduced by the vampire. Yeah. She's fantasizing about being a countess. Uh, meanwhile, the count himself is stalking through the park. He sees Lucy through an open window. Watching her. She gets into bed and he flies into the window as a bat. And my note says, the bat looks so shitty. <laughs> she falls asleep. <laughs> he flies in. It fades out as he bends over her neck. And suddenly we're in the operating theater, uh, surround like it's like Lucy on a t- on a table surrounded by doctors. Yeah, another death. Lucy's dead. Yeah, it happened really fast. Uh, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I thought they were like, oh, they're trying to save her life, and then she. Right. I don't know. I I didn't expect her to already be dead. Right she in the book, them. it's it's like half of the story is like her, you know, going through all sorts of yeah, yeah, exactly. shit with with Dracula. Yeah, but they kind of just jump right to it in this. Uh, so she's dead. They notice the two bite marks on her arms and she's been drained of blood just like other victims. So she's not the only one uh, at the sanitarium. Renfield's freaking out because the orderly won't let him eat a spider. <laughs> the orderly <laughs> is like in a different movie. He's, yeah, he, he's like an he's like a Mary Poppins or something. He has like an, a Cockney accent. Ain't mm-hmm. you ashamed now? Ain't you? I can't do a Cockney accent. I'm not going to even try. Um, yeah, and he's just like he's a like goofball doing... in general. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's like mugging and like he's doing a broad comedic like role here. Um, we meet Van Helsing, who's there with Doctor Seward and some other guys. Gentlemen, we're dealing with the undead. I forgot how. Do you know? Do you remember how Van Helsing sounds? Uh, for the podcast, he's not really. Like he doesn't sound. Yeah. Yes, he's he's German. He's doing a little bit of a German thing. Uh, he explains that the vampire attacks the throat. It leaves two little wounds, white with red centers. Seward doesn't buy it, though. Uh, he just wants to pass it off. You know, he wants to explain everything with science. And Van Helsing offers to bring proof that the superstition of yesterday can be the scientific reality of today. And um, he suspects that Renfield himself is a vampire. And so they mm-hmm. bring him in. They examine Renfield. Uh, Renfield wants out and he's like, Hey, yeah, let me out. Or I, I, I can't be held responsible for what happens to Mina. So I, does Mina live in the sanitarium as well? Like on the premises? Uh, or is it, I assume it's, it must be a different place. They're nearby, but I think they want, I mean like the convenient sort of geography of all of this has like, cause doesn't like on multiple times Renfield like gets out of the sanitarium and then he's just in the house. In the like, house. Immediately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So maybe they're on the same grounds or something. I don't know. Yeah. 
uh, they hear a wolf howl and they're all confused because wolves aren't. There are no wolves in London. Uh, the. Oh yeah, then the orderly comes back in and explains that Renfield is like, well, he just stays up all night howling at the wolves. He thinks they're talking to him. <laughs> um, Van Helsing, of course, he knows what's up. He holds up Wolfsbane, and Renfield flinches from it. So isn't Wolfsbane supposed to repel werewolves? I don't know. Who cares? Who cares? Eric? I think they do this with vampires, too. I, okay. I think I remember being like, wait, yeah, oh, it's the same shit, I guess. Um, so then Renfield gets back to his room. He cries and listens to the wolves howling. Yes, master. And then Dracula's just out there, and he talks to him telepathically. Don't ask me to do that. Don't. No, not her. And he starts crying. And Dracula, as a bat, flies into Mina's room. Again, we fade to black as Dracula goes down on her. <laughs> uh, that was for you. That's for you, Mike. Thanks. Make sure you're paying attention. <laughs> I'm listening. The next morning, uh, Mina is talking to Jonathan about the dream she had. It's like the whole room was filled with mist. It was so thick. I could just see the lamp by the bed. She saw two eyes staring at her. Then a white face came at her. She's doing a lot of the heavy lifting of like making it seem scarier than what we had previously seen. So right. like I was talking about with Renfield coming up. It's what everybody does in this whole movie. It's there's yeah. And I mean, part of this is like, I don't know if it's budgetary limitations. Like you said, some of it might be censorship concerns. But there is a real through line, and I think one of the big shortcomings of this movie is there's a lot of telling instead of showing. Of yeah. just like it's like, oh, that sounds cool. I wish we had seen that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Now she's all weak. Uh, she feels like the life's been drained out of her. Van Helsing examines her. He, he pulls her scarf away, and he sees she has two marks on her neck. <gasps> they appeared the morning after the dream. What could have caused them, Professor? Count Dracula. A servant announces Dracula. I thought that was pretty clever, actually. Yeah, so, yeah. Jonathan's it's like, what nice could cause little... him? And then it's like a nice little, yeah. Yeah, a little bit of in, timing. In a, in, in a movie that kind of drags, it is. A, <laughs> it's like, oh, that was clever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is it's like, so not only are they not visually doing anything really um, interesting for a lot of these spoken scenes, but then it's like, well, as you go on into the the era of sound pictures, like you have like a new generation of actors who are like fast and interesting in the way they deliver dialogue and they do like quippy lines and stuff like that. And I'm just thinking of, you know, um, it obviously like screwball comedies and romances are kind of a different genre, but like that's a way to present dialogue heavy stuff by at least yes. like adding some elements of interest to it. You know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There wasn't the script, like, you know, the script's not great. If, if yeah. we're being honest, I think so. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, so Dracula's there. He, he, he's introduced to Van Helsing, Van Helsing, most distinguished scientist whose name we know, even in the wilds of Transylvania. Um, <laughs> Dracula, <laughs> Dracula to Mina after he hears about like what's going on with her. He's like, oh, I hope my grim tales of my far off country didn't cause your nightmares. <laughs> um, I I love. I mean, I don't actually love, but in like mm -hmm. in these Victorian era horror things, mm -hmm. or even just like you know, 
that even the mere suggestion of some something spooky can ruin a woman's <laughs> life. Yeah, she'll fucking faint on the <laughs> ground, and yeah, she'll be sick for a week by getting spooked. <laughs> yeah, what is the um? What is there's like a word that they like some medical term that they use for hysteria. just that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's hysteria. I, yeah. Oh, maybe there's something else, but oh, the vapors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, it's like I she just couldn't handle the amount of uh, excitement. She's physically she's become ill because there was too much uh for her to think about. Yeah. And uh this is where Van Helsing notices that Dracula isn't appearing in the mirror. Yeah. Uh so they send Mina up to his room and Van Helsing while Dracula's still in the room talking to Seward shows Jonathan Harker um, that Dracula's not in the mirror. Yeah, this is one of the only interesting scenes that takes place in this whole part of the movie to me. Like, yeah, because they do they they do some cutting back and forth between different shots, and it's just like, you know, that sounds like I'm being really grumbly, but honestly, like that's a thing that you notice because there's so little of it in other parts of the movie where it's like, oh yeah, they're at least being dynamic in the way that they're like cutting between different parts of the room. Yeah. And like you're actually seeing something happen visually as opposed to just like listening to fucking people talk. Yeah. People talking about something interesting. Yeah. And I agree. Right. Um, So then uh, Van Helsing is like also with no chill just shows Dracula. (laughs) Hey, check this out. He opens a mirror. And yeah. Dracula just slaps it out of his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah, I think the most reasonable response if you're a vampire. It's what I would do. Um. I dislike mirrors. <laughs> For one who has not lived even a single lifetime, you are a wise man, Van Helsing. Um, And then he leaves. <laughs> he's basically like, like, Van Helsing's like, hey, what's up with this? And he's like, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> Yeah, this is the part I was talking about where Dracula's yeah. like, uh, he's like, I'm sure he'll explain after I leave why I slapped that mirror out of his hand. And it's like, yeah, he's going to tell everyone you're a vampire. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm not going to do the hard work. And then he like leaves off the balcony and they see a wolf running across the grass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, Van Helsing explains, he knows what's up. He explains that Dracula's the vampire um, and that vampires do not cast reflection in glass. And uh, Mina steps out of the house. She finds Dracula under a tree in the shadows. It's a cool shot. She approaches him, and he like opens his cape up to her and like wraps the cape around her. It's a it's a really cool shot. Um, but this is like what you're you're an example of what you're saying of like this mm-hmm. was basically a dialogue free shot, um, right? Yeah, and it's visually interesting. Yeah, Van Helsing drops the vampire lore on us. Um. And then Renfield starts laughing. He's gotten out of his room and he's eavesdropping. Um, but so the one thing that was really confusing, I guess it's just like Renfield is a tormented soul. Mm-hmm. Where he like doesn't want to kill anybody. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. But he also does. He wants to be loyal to Dracula because he's like, you got to listen right. to Van Helsing. He's, he's, he's telling the truth. Right. Um, and then Dracula flaps in as a bat. No, master, I wasn't going to say anything. I told him nothing. And then a servant screams. She found Miss Mina. She thinks she's dead. Renfield starts laughing. He's, I wrote his laugh down phonetically as, uh, 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 <laughs> 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 He's just like really, really going big. 
Yeah, Renfield uh, has a makes a meal out of this whole fucking back half of the movie. The servant faints because she's a woman. Of course she does. Right. Uh, they find <laughs> Mina on the grass. She's still alive. They gather her and bring her in. And Dracula, they walk right by a tree, and Dracula steps up from behind the tree. And then we get this, like, uh, kind of, I feel like a missed opportunity. We should. This is, like, the most interesting thing. Mm. Lucy walking through the park at night like a total creep, dressed all in yeah. white. We hear little mm. kids screaming or crying or whatever. And then um, we cut to the sanitarium in that Cockney orderly is reading an article about how children are being attacked by a woman in white at night. Hmm. Um, it's like, oh, that's a, it's actually a creepy shot of Lucy and it's a cool idea. Um, I kind of just wish there was more to that. There's no resolution after that of like what happens to Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Van Helsing questions Mina about it. And again, we get some like, oh, this would have been cool if we saw this, but she, describes how she saw Lucy in the shadows and was speaking with her, but then realized that Lucy was dead. It's like, it might be a dream. It might not be a dream. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting. And then, uh, Mina breaks up with Jonathan because she kind of sees where she's like, Oh, something's fucked up with me. Mm -hmm. I'm clearly going down a dark path. I'm going to get rid of Jonathan not to hurt. I, I took it as so as it, not to hurt him. It, it's not you. It's me is what she's yeah. Really saying. Yeah. And Jonathan's a real fucking dumbass, And he's just like, <laughs> he doesn't, I don't know. He just doesn't do anything correctly. Um, Van Helsing calls her in inside cause the sun's setting and they got to get her in. Um, and then John argues with Van Helsing about Mina. He's like, he wants to take Mina away from here. And he's like, no, that's the exact wrong thing to do. Cause then she'll right. be in danger. He puts Wolf's Bane all around her room and on her when she's sleeping. Meanwhile, Dracula emerges from his coffin at Carfax Abbey. Uh, and then, once again, Van Helsing is convincing Dr. Seward about Dracula being a vampire. It's like, we already went through right. this. We're going through yeah. it again. It's the last thing this movie he, needs. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like kind of more like exposition. Mm. he's like convincing yeah. john that the best thing is to keep mina here it's like we kind of we already know this stuff i have a question um, i then, wanted to ask mm -hmm. just to to walk back like one step there's all this wolfsbane maybe i missed it but is there ever garlic in this movie no there isn't no okay yeah i mean that's part of the book um and it's certainly something that i know shows up in like bram stoker's dracula the the coppola adaptation but yeah no no garlic, which is funny. Um, yeah, it, it should have been garlic instead of wolfsbane. Because then Mina yeah. later is like complaining about the smell, which would have mm -hmm. been made more sense if it was garlic. Um, right. And then so uh, uh, once again, oh, oh, uh, Van Helsing says they need to find where Dracula, his resting place so they can kill him. And Renfield is once again eavesdropping on all this. And he just walks in. He doesn't even try to hide it. He just kind of like walks in chuckling. <laughs> just strolls in. Yeah. And he's he's just out of the sanitarium again. It's like it gets very repetitive here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, Dracula, uh, he talks about it's that thing I was talking about where Dracula appeared to him in the red mist with his army of rats. I took it to mean that he's like, you can eat all these rats if you want. <laughs> to Redfield. And Redfield's like, yeah, sign me up, bro. Yeah. All you can eat rats. <laughs> Uh, and then Dracula, as always, is kind of just standing outside the door watching all this. Yeah. 
And, and I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb. Not enough Dracula in this movie. This movie, yeah, I yeah, want more not, Dracula. No. Not enough of him doing stuff. He's always just kind of like watching right. and then walking into a There's room. not enough of fucking anybody doing stuff. But yeah, particularly <laughs> him. Uh. Um, the orderly comes in and says that Renfield twisted the bars as if they were cheese, which I thought was a funny <laughs> point of comparison. You know. Yeah, you're always out there twisting cheese, and it's effortless. If you've ever tried to twist cheese, it takes almost no no effort. So Dracula like uh, steps out. He calls out Van Helsing. He says it's too late for Mina. His blood lives in her veins. He's she's going to turn her that night so she can become a vampire. Um, and then Van Helsing comes up with a plan that he's going to have to go to Carfax Abbey to shove a stake through Dracula's heart. And Dracula tries to hypnotize him, but he fails. Your will is strong, Van Helsing. Then he lunges at Van Helsing, but Van Helsing pulls out a, a crucifix and Dracula, you know, backs off. The closest we get to action in this movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, meanwhile, John goes to Mina's room. The servant felt dizzy. And left, and Miss Mina is suddenly fully dressed. She's like all dolled up and ready to go. Uh, she doesn't want to be locked in that room anymore. Hates the smell of the wolf's bane. And John, like a true fucking idiot, is into it. Oh, look at you! You're so well, like a like a changed girl. You look wonderful. Um. <laughs> then Mina's like, "Hey, look at the stars!" And Jonathan like cranes his neck up to look at the stars. Like, oh yeah, they are beautiful. And Mina's like eyeing his neck. She's gonna like she's gonna bite him. Meanwhile, Van Helsing's explaining to Seward what's going on with Mina. A bat flies up to Mina and John. John tries to punch it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's a good, it's really in in keeping with his character. It's just sort of, he's kind of a buffoon for most of this, in my mind. He's just like very useless. Yeah, he is. Um, Yeah. He really is. Uh (laughs) Oh. Then uh, Mina starts talking to the bat. Um, She tells John that he has to get Van Helsing's crucifix away from him. So basically like Dracula's telling Mina to do that so Mm -hmm. he can attack Van Helsing. Van Helsing overhears this and um, she starts staring at John and goes in to bite his neck. But Van Helsing rushes in and stops it. She's crying. She's afraid of the cross. That that is around uh, Van that Van Helsing's holding up to her, and then she's like, "Oh, you, John, you have to believe Van Helsing," and then she confesses that Dracula made her drink his blood, like like basically like cut his wrist and made made her mm-hmm. drink it. And again, explained to us, we would never see something like no, that. no, We'd only hear about it. We hear a gunshot and the orderly shooting at the bat, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> like him and another like lady who works there is like, everybody here is crazy except for us. And, and then the orderly is like, well, I don't know. I'm not crazy. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get through this. Uh, Drac appears in, Mi- in Mina's window again. He hypnotizes the servant, makes her take the wolf's bane off. And then he comes in, leans over Mina's bed, takes her. Van Helsing and John are at Carfax Abbey. They see Renfield through the window. Dracula has Mina in there with him. And um, Renfield's like, Master, I'm here. And um, 
he's on this big staircase and Dracula with Mina is like, like coming at him and Renfield insists, I didn't betray you, master. And then Dracula picks him up, kills him. His dead body rolls down the stairs. The sun's coming up. John and Van Helsing hear Mina screaming from inside. They bust in. They find coffins. One of them has Dracula just sleeping in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, and I he was just Mina? out and about. And this is the other thing yeah. is like they were just walking around in the previous scene, and now he's asleep in the coffin. And I mean, obviously, you know, in future vampire movies, you don't just assume you can like open up the coffin and stare at the guy, and then oh, it's like he literally opens it up and he's like, oh, and he closes it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, he's in there. <laughs> <laughs> Got a live one. Um, Van Helsing makes a stake out of the coffin lid. He pounds it through Dracula's heart. Mina, meanwhile, writhes and screams, and then she's back to normal. Um, it's funny that I feel like you are you're really helping out the movie in your explanation because one, Dracula gets staked off screen. Right? He does, yeah. So yeah, so it's just like Van Helsing goes to put the stake over him, and then we cut away to Mina. And then we hear and, back Dracula's moaning. Right. And then writhing, she really is just standing in one place and kind of looks almost vaguely constipated and sort <laughs> of like, you know, confused about what she's supposed to be doing. It's really, I'm, I will say that the one thing that I would really take aim at is this whole conclusion of the movie feels very underbaked. Very anticlimactic because yeah. that's it. She's back to normal. We just get a the end. It's yeah, like do you, Canon we have, them, we have her and Jonathan walking up the stairs is the last shot of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I um, guess you're right. Yeah, I didn't write that down. But it's like it's like even it's more done. superfluous. Yeah, it's they're yeah. just walking up the stairs <laughs> and it fades to black. And it's like, wow, nobody like plotted out a sequence of shots for a, a finale or any. It, yeah, it's just nothing. Yeah. Yep. So, well, there you go. That's 1931's Dracula. Uh, <laughs> as far as body counts go, we got a literal boatload of bodies. A dead flower girl, Lucy, and then finally Renfield and Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, moment that aged the worst here. Okay, so this movie is ninety years old. <laughs> um, <laughs> it almost seems yeah. So it's the worst, to- yeah. But it's yeah. I mean, it's unfair. But I think it's more just like the superlative. There are lots of things that didn't age particularly well. Yeah. Um, for my money, I will say that the the spider the spider going up the wall is sure yeah yeah like it literally looks like something that would be in uh like if uh if a bunch of eighth graders were like doing a video project and and it's like that level of special effects where it's like children with a with a video camera um that's what it looks like that's a great call i was gonna say the bat but like, I also okay. don't know what the alternative would be at this moment in time. Sure, you know what I mean. Right. Like, it's just like they are constrained by the technology of the time. But I mean, I claymation existed the at lack this point. Of, you know, the lack of violence on screen is really dull. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the fading to black whenever Dracula even gets. Ne- it's like basically, it's like Dracula always just bends down and then it fades to black before. Yeah, we see no one ever gets their neck bitten. We never even movie. see fangs. Do we ever You're see right, fangs? We don't. No, Holy no, shit. we don't. Yeah, yeah. You don't. So it's 
lack of fangs <laughs> and lack of <laughs> a, a lack of like yeah violence yeah uh, i mean the to imagine that like it is on like that that someone that they all decided that it's like well we can't show a vampire biting someone's neck is like wow you know that's yeah it's like uh, well that's it really feel, if, kind of the yeah. most important part of a vampire movie yeah, I mean, in this day and age, it truly feels like a consideration you would have to make. I said this almost at the beginning of like trying to angle for a G rating over a PG where it's like yeah. we literally need to be able to show this movie to anyone of any age. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so best death. Oh, man, that's tough. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to go first. There are none on screen. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think it's Renfield because. Sure. We at least see him stum- stumble down some stairs after. Yeah. Yeah. Is, he falls. Like, it he, actually he, is a stunt. That's true. And, and yeah, while maybe I guess we're, we're not sure. Uh, hold on. I'm going to sneeze. Uh, am I? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. That was a good one. That felt great. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the best answer. I'm not going to try to come up with a better one. I think that's the only death that involves any action. Yeah. Of any kind in the movie. Uh, so we here on Killstreak like to rate how scary these movies are. Are we changing mm-hmm. the scale? Are we doing a quick change of scale? Or are we sticking with... We toy... I mean, I floated the idea. I felt like your response was lukewarm. I don't know. It didn't seem like you were that interested in it. I am interested in it, uh, but I don't know that the suggestion was like a real... The, the the director you suggested was like uh-huh. a natural fit. Do you have a proposed but, alternative? I don't. Maybe okay. Wes Craven, but isn't that what I said? No, you said David Lynch. Oh yeah, I did. Oh right. Well, okay. So here's here's the here's the uh, inside baseball of this. I was like, we did a year of John Car- of the Carpenter scale. And I was like, maybe it would be fun if for a new year we like switch the director out uh, instead of like giving the fog to something for the 15th time. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And yeah, you're right. I pitched David Lynch. And the reason I pitched Lynch is because his movies really run this gamut from incredibly terrifying to the straight story, which is literally rated G. Yeah. Um. Now, he's not really a horror director in the traditional sense. He's done some horror type stuff. So I can see uh, why you would contest. Now, here's but my I question say, to you. I, I, I do agree with you, though. I think that like Lynch has maybe made some of the most terrifying <laughs> sequences yeah. ever on <laughs> film. Not in horror movies, though. Right. Well, so what would be... What would be the basement or the least scary Wes Craven entry? Um, oh, Music of the Heart. I don't even know what that is. That's what the is glo- that? uh, I think it has Gloria Estefan in it. It's like it's just about like an inner city music teacher. It's not a horror movie. <laughs> um, okay. I think. I mean, here's I mean, here's here's what also, I say. We, we, we can, do. What's that? I no no you go ahead I think you were going to say the same thing I was going to say oh I was going to say we can we can just punt this to another episode and, and... yeah let's let's punt it to next week but okay. perhaps we are for a brief for for now at least uh, retiring the carpenter scale yeah big and news so this this may be this may be a final entry on the carpenter scale for some time um, 
And in light uh, of that, I, I think there's really only one correct answer to this. What about you? What do you ahead. think? Well, no, no, I want to know what you think. Are you going to say vampires? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I mean, I think vampires is probably scarier than this movie. But yeah, let's let's nail it in. Vampires, lock it in. I mean, I think contextually, I bet this movie was pretty scary for 1931. That is true. I do have to take that into consideration. Uh, for mm-hmm. yeah, okay, all right, yeah, I'm good with vampires. Yeah, and I would say that probably the drop off in fr- in scariness for vampires just from fucking 2000 or whatever it came out, uh, 1998 to now is they're probably about as scary. We got to watch that yeah. vampires. Yeah. Bonus movie this month? Should we watch John Carpenter's Vampires? Ooh, that's a good idea. All right, um, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Okay, finally, yeah. Mary Fuck Kill. Yeah, I mean, God, it's so hard. It's a, this is a a really tough movie to mm-hmm. rate uh, on yeah. this scale because it is an important movie. It's a, it's an incredibly important movie to the horror genre, but it's really not a fun movie, at least for me personally. I'm sure right. Martin Scorsese fucking jacks off mm-hmm. to this movie. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's some a bunch of old nerds who just rank it amongst like the highest, the scariest <laughs> movies they've ever seen. And that's right, just right. cannot be true. But <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it's a classic. It's a classic, classic, classic. Yeah. But I think for me, uh, so this is Mary Fuck Kill. I think it's a kill for me. I, I'm don't ever really want to spend time with it again okay um yeah i think that's super fair i think for me there's a couple one thing that might be different is the impact of sitting and watching the movie with the philip glass score sure which i think like definitely helps pass some of the time and also i think really enhances the mood Especially, I would imagine, during these long stretches of dialogue when nothing uh, real interest is happening. And it's at least you can listen to this cool, creepy score. So, uh, I mean, I almost feel like I have to discount that, though, because that's not part of the original movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that for me, this will hang on just ever so barely as a fuck. And I think it's because I think Bela Lugosi is really great. Um, I like him a lot in this. I think that in in the scenes where they're where the set design is awesome, like all of the like I said, like the kind of non dialogue scenes, the crypt at the beginning and all that stuff is just like it looks really cool. And I'm trying to give this a little bit of a curve for the time period, Um, you know, because there are all these people that are just like you mentioned Citizen Kane. It's like the perfect example of a movie where people are like it's the greatest movie. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. And I've seen it enough times that I'm like what Citizen Kane is, is just a movie that is as old as it is, but somehow manages to be almost in the language of watchable motion pictures from the modern day. Yeah. Um, And if it came out, you know even in the seventies, people would just be like, Oh, this movie is pretty good. Like, so it's like, you really do. And, you know, and again, Scorsese can come fucking for my nuts. Um, but, uh, for me, yeah, it's like, if I'm curving it a little bit to say, okay, it's 1931. This was probably a pretty cool accomplishment back then. 
So for that reason, I'll give it a fuck at least. And I mean, it's a huge cultural touchstone and it's like it, yeah. it, it does get some credit just for being as like n- noteworthy and important as it is, I think. Um, you know, you've swayed me. I'm going to raise my my rating to a fuck because I think you're right. I think you you nailed it. I think it's unfair for me to just give it a, a kill um, just because of how important it is. Um, yeah. I think you should at least, if you're a horror movie fan, you should at least watch it at one point in your life, as I just did for right. the first time now. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't mean to get on my high horse, but like, you got to watch the classics. I just watched this for the first mm-hmm. time. So, yeah, I have a friend who listens to the podcast who's like a a, a pretty regular list uh, watcher, I should say, of older films, black and white and that sort of stuff. Uh, and. I'm curious to hear what he thinks. Um, like, I want to know how this movie, like, cause we, neither one of us is well-versed in movies of this era. Right. Mm. So I almost want to know how does this stack up against like other shit from the thirties? Cause I've seen like five movies from the 1930s. Yeah. I'm very curious to check out like Frankenstein and the Wolfman, which were I think Frankenstein at least came out this, the same year. And then Wolfman was maybe a year after. Um, yeah. I, I, I'd be curious to check those out to see how they stack up against this. And I think it'd be, uh, I would be more um I think I could give a more accurate rating after viewing mm-hmm. those at least sure. seeing like what was the language of horror movies at the time and if those yeah. were just even just like they just did a better job. I don't know. Yeah. I am curious too. Yeah. All right guys, we're going to take a quick uh little break here. I'm going to drain the main vein <laughs> and then I'm we'll be back with the final segment. Okay, we're back. I have no idea what's about to happen, but Mike Price assures me that he has something cooked up for me. Mike, what you got? Um, <laughs> just I lost. I completely lost it because I was trying to think of uh, like something gross I could make you do. <laughs> did we? Did we do? Okay, yeah, because this is this is January, and we are in the midst of a big old drack off. Yeah, we're um, we're dracking off to we're chafed. Yeah, did we do a whole bit on the show about spooky kooky? Was that that was was that here? Or uh, I don't. That I think that's, that may have been just something we. I don't know. Actually, <laughs> that might have been just the bit we we suggested for the Ginger Dead Man series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, like okey kicky, but spooky. 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 That's from something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember where it's from, but I remember uh, doing this joke before. But that's not what we're gonna do, you guys. Um, what we are doing is, um, I had a a fun idea for a little game I wanted to make Eric play because usually he he cooks up little things for me to do, which I quite enjoy. Um. But I, I wanted to return the favor here, and I was inspired by um, the star of today's film and also by a, a great song that I truly love. Um, so today's little one-man trivia segment is something that I like to call Bella Lugosi's Dead. Ooh, Cue music. The victims have been bled that velvet lines the black box. Bella Lugos is dead. <laughs> Play a little bit of it. Try not to get in trouble for stealing the copyright. But still, uh, it's cool. It's less cool song. than 10 seconds. It is a great song. I love this song. And hopefully this game will do it justice. So 
Bella Lugosi's Dead. Not only a great song, but an indisputable fact. Bella Lugosi is indeed dead, Eric. Uh-huh. Um, and here's some information uh, that you may or may not know. Bella Lugosi died at the age of 73 in 1956 from a heart attack. Mm. And uh, there's obviously some speculation that uh, years of uh, drug use led to um, some, you know, health issues. So it may be a heart attack with complications, right? That sort of thing. He died with addiction, not from, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> doing the COVID <laughs> thing. He died with COVID, yeah. not from COVID. It was a, co- it was a comorbidity. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, for sure. So what I'm going to give you, Eric, are the dates, ages, and causes of death of some other oh. uh, noteworthy horror actors. And I want you to try to guess who died. Okay, great. All right. Love it. Um, so I'll start you off with... Uh, what I consider to be not necessarily an easy one, but we'll, we'll ease into things as it were. Okay. Sure. So, uh, our first dead, uh, performer, uh, and I apologize. This game is going to be very morbid from beginning to end, but you know, it's a horror movie podcast. You know what you signed up for? It's also going to be morbid um, because I'm probably gonna get every single one of them wrong, but we'll see. <laughs> I, I think I've got five here. My money is on, I think you definitely get two and maybe three if you're feeling lucky. None of these are, I think, super hard, but we'll see. Okay. Okay. So here's your first one. Um, Died 1969 at the age of 81 from emphysema-related pneumonia. Okay. And Uh, if you're totally stumped, I would say you can also ask for a hint. I could give you something like a gender place of death uh you know some sort of physical height weight things like that you know so let me know 69 from emphysema at the age of 81 at the age of 81 so we're talking some classic my my brain so i'm I'm torn between boris karloff and lon cheney all right i'm gonna go with the chain man the chain gain lon cheney lon cheney I'm sorry, that is incorrect. It was indeed Boris Karloff. Ah, damn it. Yes. Died at the ripe old age of 81. For a man of his stature, a fairly good um, run there. Yeah, those this tall gents often uh, don't make it so long. So yeah. uh, look forward to me passing away at the age of 65. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyways, if I, if I make it that long, don't tell my fiance. Okay. <laughs> oh, for one. Uh, good effort, though. I like that one a lot. Um, uh, you know, I like where your head's at, is what I mean. Anyways, uh, let's move on. So the next one we have here uh, died in the year 1993 at the age of 82 from lung cancer. Jesus. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to take a hint on this one. Uh, okay. 1983 lung cancer. I'm ass- I- I'm assuming it's a- 1993. 1993. Sorry. 1993. Yeah. Um. Let me think. I'm assuming we. It's a gentleman. I don't know why, but I am. Mm-hmm. Um. 93. I'm oh, sorry. Can I get his age again? 80. something. 82. 82. 82 years old. 82 years young. Who died in 93? 
a ripe age. Can I get what kind of a, what style hint can I get here? Um, um, I would say, like I said, uh, location, physical descriptors, if they're specific enough, um, you know, okay. it was like it creative. He... I mean, also, yeah, you can ask me just any, you know, yes, no question you'd like. Okay. That's, uh, was he known for a particular series of films? I would say no. Okay. Um, well, is this Lon Chaney? No, 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 no. I don't want to lock that in. Okay. <sighs> Shit. <laughs> Fuck. Is it Lon Chaney? I don't remember when he died. I'm going to go with Lon Chaney. <laughs> I'm sorry. That Fuck. is incorrect. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, different era. So 19, you know, you got to think about yeah, date true. of birth, date of death, right? He been so this is someone who was, uh, 82 and 93. So not born until 1911. Um, and yeah. that was one Vincent Price. Vincent Price. Ah, I didn't know he died of lung yeah. cancer. I thought he died of a heart attack. Okay. <sighs> okay. All right. All, all right. right. Let's Let get better. I, I, all right, we're 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 in the middle. This is the hump. Uh, but unlike you know a Wednesday hump day, I'm gonna make this nice and easy for you. Sure. Okay. This next one died in the year 2001. Okay. From at at the age of 22. Oh man. Cause of death: plane crash. In a plane crash. Oh. Aaliyah? That is correct. Aaliyah, star of Queen of the Damned. Her, uh, what I believe was her final feature film performance. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Taken. So there you go. You are. We can all agree, gone too soon. Absolutely. Um, Age ain't nothing but a number, but 22 is too young to die. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you are one for three now. Congratulations. You're on the board. Thank you. Okay. Um, all right. Let's go uh, number four here. 1982. Okay. Died at the age of 53. 53 and 82. Cause of, yeah, cause of death. Helicopter decapitation. Oh, Vic Morrow. That is correct. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I see. I put some easy ones in here for you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It, also, is... possibly t- two young oh, children, sorry. but they were not fifty-three years old. So no, man, uh, that is just please continue terrifying footage. Uh, to see that that helicopter crash. I've never watched it. Oh, really? It's no. just on a documentary I watched about cur- cursed yeah. movies. Yeah, famously, yeah, John Landis and his crew uh, more or less killed three people Yeah, um, by uh, skirting around safety precautions, and he has pretty much never taken responsibility for yep. it, and in fact, just kind of left the country after it happened for a number of years, so. Uh, real piece of shit, and who spawned yeah. a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> cool stuff, cool stuff, <laughs> although An American Werewolf in London is great, so. Yes, yeah. Uh, 
But you know what? Uh, artists separate the art from the artist. Uh, what good, uh, as best you can. All right. Here's your last one, Eric. You're two for four. Okay. All right. This is to get up over 500. Close things out on a, on a strong note. Died in the year 1930. Okay. Age 47. Cause of death. Go figure. Lung cancer. Hmm. 1930 he died? Mm-hmm. Of lung cancer. Um... Oh, at the age of 47. Who is the guy who played Nosferatu? That's my guess. And I don't know his name. You would like. Um, we talked about this FW not, not long ago. We not were talking Murnau. about. Yeah. No. We were talking about Shadow of Vampire. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Was, so we're now uh, directed Nosferatu. Right. However. Actor. Uh, good. No, no. Oh. I was just gonna say, not n- not the actor's name. I don't get the credit unless like I know me. his name, right? Do you want? Would you like a hint? I'd like a hint. Um. Well, the actor you're trying to think of shares his name with Christopher Walken's character in Batman Returns. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> I don't know Christopher. It's not Mungo. <laughs> just. <laughs> what's <the> fuck? <laughs> oh, hey, my son's here. Um, what is the guy's yeah, name? What's up? Uh, <laughs> I get, I I'm gonna take a loss on this one. I'm sorry. Do, do you want to see if uh, if your son knows? Yeah. Do you know who the guy who played Nosferatu is? Oh, you got the trick. Does it work well? Go do it fast. Uh, okay. Sorry. That's a now. That seems like a now. He doesn't. He doesn't it. know. All right. Well, the name you're trying to pull. Is Max Shrek. Max Shrek, god damn it. Yes, you're right. Ah, uh, yeah. However, not the correct answer to the question. Um, so that wasn't yourself, the person. Eric. No, that's not the person. Oh, no, <laughs> 1930, age 47, Lon Chaney died Lon of lung cancer. Chaney, no. Oh, no. Oh, you're right. You know what? Because I read that he was going to play Dracula, wasn't he? Um, and then uh, he died. I, yeah, he, yes. So Failure. died very, very young. Relatively. Oh wow, yeah, he really did. I thought he so. lasted longer than that. Yeah, Guys, that's why I was cool. kind of blown away when you. Yeah, when you when you threw him out there for Vincent Price, I was like, oh man. Uh, yeah. So, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do, guys? But well, I guess I got two of them right. So, and I, I mean, I technically got the last one right too, just not in that order. I I I guessed his name twice, <laughs> and then when it, when really yeah, it came time to to do it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I fumbled. All right, guys. Well, that was, thank you very much for that, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it's a real Dick Gooley move. Uh, and if you want to do some Dick Gooley moves with me, <laughs> you can do so at Killstreak Pod um, on Twitter and on Instagram, and you can write to us uh, at KillstreakPod at gmail dot com. Um, visit our website killstreakpod.com leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash killstreakpod and we will play it on the air for sure um let us know how you felt about 1931's dracula if you love it if you hate it if uh you think it lives up to the hype whatever we would love to hear yeah how does it stack up to other movies from the era let us know yeah some fill in the blanks um 
Anything else we got to plug week. here? Oh, next week, yeah. You know, yeah, next week we will be continuing our January Dracoff uh, with a movie, go figure, titled Dracula. Uh, this is the 1958 Hammer Dracula starring Christopher Lee as Count Dracula and Peter Cushing mm-hmm. as Dr. Van Helsing. I'm excited for um, this one. Yeah, so this is one that I've never seen, but is it has a, a strong reputation. Um, yeah, so I'm also looking forward to it as well. So please watch along with us uh, over the week. Uh, Eric, vamp a little bit more while I look to see if it's streaming anywhere. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm excited to watch this one, uh, and I, I, I've, I've also never seen it before. <laughs> doing a great job vamping i just did all of our plugs before i had nothing to say oh geez oh, louise i'm sweating here wow <laughs> oh, yeah, just tell a stage. joker uh yeah i don't <laughs> tell know a joke um <laughs> i'll tell the story about how i wouldn't open a can of beans for my six-year-old <laughs> this is the be- wait you're bean dad I'm bean dad oh no um <laughs> oh no i mean you are yeah you are a podcaster right as is as is the real bean dad is he um, oh i guess he is i thought he's a musician yeah but i guess he's both who cares i mean he's both you know stuff. everybody's i'm just like who isn't a podcaster now who isn't a podcaster <laughs> uh i wish you guys could your see the flop sweat is. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a bushes yeah. boy or if you're a a b&m guy yeah, so, um, yeah, the 1958 Dracula looks to be also titled Horror of Dracula, um, as far as I can tell. I think that the Horror of Dracula might be on HBO Max. It is available to rent on Amazon and presumably some other places. So, uh, check it out. That will be next Monday's episode, so we hope to see you there. We do. And until next time, and as always, gentlemen, we are dealing with the undead. Just like the movie, a line that just ends with nothing approaching a climax or finality. 